Now that you're in your groups, and everybody's mad at me, I can feel it. You're like, James, what are you doing? Why are you making me get up out of my pew on a Sunday night? Just come to Sunday night church, whatever. Okay, we'll get over it together. Okay, a couple weeks ago, awesome thing happened. We talked about bearing one another's burdens, and we actually did it. And it wasn't because I prompted you guys, it just happened. And that, you know, that's the best way for things to happen. It's just, God does it. Well, I want us to continue being obedient to Scripture. And that's what we did. We heard the Word of God and then we just obeyed it on the spot. And it was the coolest, one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in my life. Just watching people come and pour out their hearts and say, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Pray for me. I trust you. You're my family. It was awesome. And that's what the body of Christ should be like all the time, not just once, once in a while. And it was awesome because we took what we knew, what God had told us, and we obeyed it, right? Right, James. All right. You guys help me here. So we, we did this. We talked about bearing one another's burdens. We talked about confessing sins, confessing doubts, caring one, of, one another. And I think this is an essential part of discipleship that we've got to put into practice. Not just once a month but, or, or once every blue moon when it happens in a church service, but I think we need to be intentional about putting this kind of thing into practice. Now, I'm not going to call you to repent your sins in your little groups tonight. No worries. All right? But... We are going to put God's Word into action together as groups tonight, all right? Um, when you think about physical life, right, just, just physical life in general, um, barring any types of, of birth defects or any abnormalities, when you're born, right, there's really only three things that you need if you're healthy. You need nutrients, right? You need air, and you need a shelter, right? If you have those three things, it may not be the greatest existence on the planet, but if you have those three things, barring any other weird stuff happening, you'll be able to live. You'll be able to survive. Those are just the three basic things that we need to live on planet Earth. Would you agree with that state statement? Nod your heads. Yes, I agree with that. Well, I think physical life is just a mirror of spiritual life. So I think if we boil spiritual life down to just some nitty-gritty things that we need to have in order to really thrive spiritually and have a foundation spiritually, because you can't thrive without those three things. You take out one of those three things, you're dead, right? Right? You, you lose air, you're dying. You lose food for too long, you're dead. About 40, 50 days, that's about as long as you can go. You can go maybe three days without water, you're dead. Right? If you don't have shelter and extreme conditions happen, you die. Those are just foundational. And so in order to thrive, you have to build on those three foundations. And I think the same is true spiritually. That there are some just basic things that the Lord's taught us that, that we have to have these as a foundation before we can truly step into being all that God wants us to be. Okay? And those three things are this simple. Remember when Jesus came? We, we looked at this in Mark's gospel. But when Jesus came on the scene and he began to preach the gospel, he said to do two things. Do you remember what those two things were? Anybody? Two things that Jesus commanded. Blank and blank, for the kingdom is near. Anybody remember? Repent, Repent is one, and... 
believe. Repent and believe. Right? Repent and believe in that. You got to the Great Commission, which I love that. But when Jesus showed up, he said, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is near. So I think if we take those two things and we lay them as foundations for our Christian walk, we need to repent. We need to confess our sins. We see that in scriptures and other scriptures that we'll look at. And then we need to believe. What do we believe? We believe God's word. And the whole idea of believe is so twisted in our day that I want to stop and, and, and uh, address this because we've, we have taken the idea of belief and made it just an intellectual assent to something. Yeah, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Well, how's that changing your life? If you believe that, what are you doing about it? The whole idea of biblical belief is that you act on what you believe. And that's what Dave has been going through in the, book of, in the book of James. Faith without works is what? Dead. If you say something but your actions don't back it up, who cares what you say? What you say is dead. Those words that you speak, they're dead. So Jesus lays out, I want you to repent, confess your sins, and I want you to believe. I want you to obey. Alright? So I, I think... And, and David, I think you can go to the next slide. Here, here are the three essentials. Repent, and confess our sin, believe and obey, and then the next essential is community. To do that all as a family together. Alright? I think those are the three essentials. And I know I've hammered on community before when we went through um, Acts. On, we went through Acts 2.42 on a Sunday night when I, when I first started as pastor here, and uh, one of the things that we hammered was living as community. Um, but I want to I want to hit this again because I think this is one of the essentials that it's so easy for us to neglect because we've heard so many times it's just about your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, in a sense, that's true, but you've been saved and brought into a family of believers, so it's not just about you. And if we're going to exercise those spiritual gifts that we talked about this morning, we're going to have to be within community. Listen, don't be prophesying over yourself. That's stupid, right? <laughs> you know, you can't do that. You can't really encourage yourself. I mean, you can. David encouraged himself in the Lord, so I guess that was a bad example. But you need to encourage other people too, right? We've got to do these things in community, now, I don't think anybody in here denies the idea of repenting and believing, but we do have this hesitation of really living this thing out in community in a raw, real, practical, rubber-meets-the-road kind of way because it means we open ourselves up and we bear our souls to one another like we did a few weeks back, and, and, and we just, man, that's hard. That's not an easy thing to do. That takes the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That takes a level of trust in our brothers and sisters that a lot of us don't have. Because of fear, because of whatever. But, but we have to have community. So why community? The first reason is this, and this is foundational. God is a community. You understand that, right? The, the whole concept of Trinity comes from two words. Tri meaning three. Unity meaning unity. Triunity, Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit dwell together in a community in which they provide each other with ultimate joy and satisfaction. Right? They dwell in community together. Um, now, that's the first foundation. The second foundation would be this. 
If God doesn't expect us to dwell in community, why does he hammer the idea of one another over and over and over and over again in the New Testament? In fact, 59 times. 59 times the phrase, one another, is used in the scripture. So we're meant to be a community. And I'm going to make a handout of this, and I'm going to put it back on the back table. I'm just going to make a ton of them, because I want people to know that we're going to base our ministry on these one another's. Because this is what Jesus told us to do. And if we believe Jesus' word, then we'll obey Jesus' word, and we're going to have to put these things into practice. Amen? So you ready? 59 one another's. Some of them are repeated. Guess which one's really important that gets repeated the most often? You'll figure it out. Number one, be at peace with one another. Mark 9, 50. Wash one another's feet. John 13, 14. Serve each other. Uh, Number three, love one another. John 13, love one another. Number four, five, love one another. Number six, love one another. Number seven, love one another. Those all come from John. Number eight, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Number nine, honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12.10. Number 10, live in harmony with one another, Romans 12.16. Number 11, love one another, Romans 13.8. Number 12, stop passing judgment on one another. Number 13, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Woo! That'll preach. I don't accept you because you're a good person. I accept you because Christ accepted you. And he accepted you when you were a mess and far from God. So I accept you just as you are. No strings attached. And I believe that if the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you, he will clean you up and he will use me to to work in your life to encourage you and show you and, and lead you and direct you. I mean, so accept one another. Number 14, instruct one another. Romans 15, 14. Number 15, Greet one another with a holy kiss. That just means be excited to see each other. That's why we shake hands on Sunday mornings. Travis got all excited. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Number 16, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Number 17, have equal concern for each other. Number 18 again, 18 and 19, greet one another with a holy kiss. Number 20, serve one another in love. Number 21, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. There's not just positives, but there's these negatives that, that, that show us, hey, if you, if you slander each other behind one another's backs, if you're talking about your brother or your sister to somebody, and you, you know, they're just not quite there yet, bless their heart. You know, do you know, did you hear what they're doing? Did you hear what they're going through? Did you hear their struggle? That's devouring. Number 22, let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. Number 23, carry one another's burdens. Number 24, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Number 25, be kind and compassionate to one another. Number 26, forgive each other. Number 27, speak to another one, one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Number 28, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Number 29, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Number 30, do not lie to each other. Number 31, bear with each other. Number 32, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive. Number 33, teach one another. 
Number 34, admonish one another. 35, make your love increase and overflow for each other. Number 36, love each other. 37, encourage each other. 38, encourage each other. 39, build each other up. 40, encourage one another daily. 41, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 42, encourage one another. 43, do not slander one another. Grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. 46, pray for each other. 47, love one another deeply from the heart. 48, live in harmony with one another. 49, love each other deeply. 50, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 51, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. God's gifted you. He's given you something so that you can pour into somebody else. He's poured into you, not so you can hold on to it, but so you can pour into somebody else. That's why so many of us aren't growing in the Lord. Because what you have, you haven't shared with somebody else. Praise the Lord. Um... Number 52, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. 53, greet one another with a kiss of love. 54 through 59, love one another, 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 love one another. If God doesn't expect us into com- to live in community, why are all those scriptures in the Bible? If he just expected us to have our little personal relationship with him, that we don't let anybody else speak into or see into or hold us accountable to. Why do we have all these scriptures? Repent. Confess our sins to each other. So we can be healed. Believe. Obey what we know in the scriptures. And do it in community. I believe those are the three essential things for the Christian life. If we're going to grow, if we're going to be all who God wants us to be, we have to practice these three things. I don't think they're negotiable. The last last thing, Jesus, his example. The three years that he is in ministry, he does it all day, every day, and night with 12 guys. Everything he does with them. Everything. Eat, sleep, drink. Heals, feeds, delivers, casts out demons. All these things. He does it with these 12 guys. So that as they watch him, they can see how they're to be representatives of him when he leaves. And we have other passages in scripture where we're called now as followers of Jesus, to be replicating our lives into other people. Let me ask you, is your life worth replicating into somebody else's? Is your faith worth replicating in somebody else's? If somebody else followed you day and night, all the time, would they go, man, that person loves Jesus, believes his word, and does his word. And would they be able to follow in your steps and become a fully fully developed follower of Jesus? Or... Or would it be lacking? Scary thought. Convicting thought, right? This is the example. So why community? God's a trinity. God's given us all these commands to one another. And Jesus lived in community. Now, let's ask the question, what is community? What is community? Well, here's community. It's at least two people, right? At least two people. You've got to have two people. Yes, unless you have split personalities. No, but two people, right? Two people, at least two people. Remember what Jesus said? And I know that this passage is dealing with discipline and going to somebody when they're out of line. 
But you remember what Jesus said? Even in that, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. Takes two. And in that unit of two or three, they're gathered in the name of Jesus, Jesus shows up. And he becomes a part of the equation in a way that he can't be a part of the equation when it's just us on our own. I don't know how that works. I just know that that's what it says. Okay? So at least two people. And I would go so far to say that I think that that's like the cellular level of Christianity. And here's what I mean. We call the church a body, right? So if you think of the body... You know, from head to toe, that'd be the universal church. That'd be every single believer, right? And so there's millions of us on planet earth right now that are the true church. And together we make up the body of Christ. But then we have different congregations. And those might be heads and legs and arms and, right? Kind of make up the appendages, different, different churches. And then you take a, a step uh, smaller and you have your Sunday schools and your small groups and things like that of 10 or 15 people. And I think maybe those are fingers and toes. But then you get this even smaller level of two and three. And I think that's your cellular level. That's when you're getting to the microscopic level of Christianity where faith is built the cellular level. And I think we need the one another's at each level of the church but you can't really do these one another things at the congregation level. Right? We gather together to worship and to hear the word. In that time, we don't get a whole lot of time to do all these other one another's. So we try to make time to teach one another in Sunday school. But, man, you get in a Sunday school class and you have men and women and Listen, if people started confessing their sins every time Sunday school started with men and women, it might get kind of uncomfortable. And there's some things guys struggle with that they want to be able to confess to guys. There's something ladies struggle with that they need to be able to just confess to other ladies. I think this is why it's the cellular level. And we need to learn how to do church at this level. Because that still is the church. And I think it's something that's been missing from our body. Maybe it's happened unintentionally, but I think the thing God's laid on my heart is that now is the time for us to start doing this in an intentional manner. Okay? So. Um, and another thought is, you know, the two or three thing, it, it'd be easy for those of us that are married to go, okay, I'm going to do that with my husband or my wife. Listen, there is definitely an aspect of your relationship with God that is important for you to do within that community of husband and wife. But I think the whole idea of discipleship um, and really training one another up, I think it's important that we teach each other by male and by female. Why would Paul and Titus and Timothy say, hey, I want the older guys to show the younger guys what to do. And I want the younger ladies to serve with older ladies so that they can learn how to raise their children and, and how to live in community with their husbands. I, 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 can't, I can't teach my wife how to be a good wife. She can't teach me how to be a good husband. We've got the word of God, no doubt. But... But how much stronger is a living example 
how much stronger would it be if I got to come along an older man and learn from his mistakes and learn from his wisdom and see what it looks like to love his wife well and to raise his children? I mean, how much, how much more practical and real is that when you see the Word of God with flesh and bones on it? It takes on a whole new level, right? And that's what, what this... What, what I'm calling the cellular level is all about. So, here's what I want to do. Here, here's, here's what I want us to, want to see happen. Um, I want for our men's and women's ministry to really take on this kind of next level um, of the, the cellular level. Because we're already kind of broken up according to uh, sex in those groups. And I would like... Uh, when we get the opportunity at our next meetings to say, okay, we're going to break up into two and threes, and we're going we're gonna to make it a habit of getting with this group once a month, twice a month, once a week, whatever it may be. We're going we're gonna to get into the habit of meeting together to do some of these one another's, to do some of the most essential one another's, to repent and confess, to believe and obey. And to do it in community. I want us to commit to this. So here are some practical tools for us to engage in cellular level discipleship. First thing is, like I said, we need two to three community. uh, Same sex. And then I want there to be confession and repentance. I want us to learn to be real with each other. To be authentic. To be raw. And if we do this, we don't have to worry about somebody running and telling uh, what our sin and struggle is. Because you know what? You, you know theirs. <laughs> so there, there's an accountability there. When, when you really open up, you don't have to worry about it. Because you're going to begin to love one another so much that you would never want to betray each other's trust. Right? And, and there, has to be, there has to be kind of the... The Vegas mentality, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas at the cellular level. What happens in this little group stays in this group. What's said in this group, I don't go and tell my husband. I don't go and tell my prayer partner. What is said here, nobody else is going to hear it. It's between us and God and that's it. Right? And we develop that trust and confidence that we can be real with each other. Um... Third thing, we need to believe and obey. So we need to read the scripture together. We have these commands in scriptures to admonish one another, to teach each other, to instruct each other. And I would imagine that most of us are scared of doing that. That we wouldn't have the first clue how to open the Bible with somebody and just start reading and instruct them in what you're reading. Is it true or not? That we're intimidated by the Word of God, if we're honest. That we're intimidated just to sit down and read it together and talk about it together. And I don't know why that is. But I think it's a trick that the devil's used to keep us from growing together. Listen, I, I know my sermons are not enough to feed you. Okay? They're not. If this is the only word you're getting throughout the week, th- that's bad news for you. Okay? That's bad news. You're never going to grow. You've got to learn how to feed yourself. And here's a great way for us to teach new believers how to begin to feed themselves. If we could just sit down with a new believer and say, here's how you read your Bible. You just read a section and, and you go. If we could do that, man, 
That's what discipling a new believer would look like, teaching them how to read their Bible, teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to live in community. I mean, we do those three things, that person's going to start growing up into maturity in Christ, right? So we want to we wanna believe and obey. We're going to read Scripture together. And then what I want for us to have, for, for us to do is to pray together. Specifically, I want us to pray for people that we know don't know Christ. We want to pray for people that don't know Jesus. And we want to ask God to send people their way to speak the gospel to them or give us the opportunity to go and take the gospel to them. And then as we're praying, you know, when we meet every other week or once a month or every week, we can ask, hey, have you had the opportunity to go speak to this person? Are you looking for the opportunity? We can hold each other accountable, not just to just talk about these people all the time, but to ask, hey, what are you doing about it? Right? I mean, I, I believe God honors us when we pray for the, the lost. But I think at some point, God's going, hey, I've heard your prayer. Go do something about it. Open your mouth and tell them about me. Right? Okay. Okay, so. I've talked enough. Now you guys are going to preach to each other. Right? David, you can put the, the next slide up and... Um, Okay, so how to read the scriptures together. Here's what, what I want you to learn how to do. When we come together in these groups of three, we'll have already picked out a chapter to go through together, okay? So pick one chapter of the Bible. It's no big thing, right? And you're going to read that chapter, and as you read it on your own, highlight some things. Or come together and read it together. And as you're reading it together, each person highlights some things that stand out to you. Just highlight it. Mark it. Alright? And then I want you to ask questions about this, this chapter. And here's the three questions that I want us to ask. If we answer these questions honestly, we'll fill up a few minutes discussing the scripture together and teaching each other what God spoke to us and what we need to do with it and who we need to share it with. It's going to... Those three questions. What is God saying to me through these verses that I just highlighted? And then, not just what is He saying to me, but what do I need to do about this? Is this, is this uh, you know, confronting an area of disbelief in my life? Do I need to repent? Because I don't really believe this area of Scripture and, and, and ask God to forgive me of my doubt? Do I need to obey? Do I need to do something that the Scripture is telling me to do? You know, maybe you read a, a Scripture about forgiveness and as you highlight it, somebody comes into mind and, and you go, Oh man, what do I need to do? I need to go to this person. I need to apologize. I need to ask for their forgiveness. And what happens when you tell somebody that? Then you've got accountability. Right? Then you've got somebody that can pray with you and say, hey, you can do this. Even though there's some bitterness here. Even though there's heartache here. You can. You can let go. You can forgive. And we're going to stand with you. And we're going to see you through this. Right? And then the last thing, is there somebody that I should share this with? Let's not make just reading the Bible all about us. When we get something, let's ask God, hey, God, show me. Who do I need to go share this with? Who do I need to tell? How am I going to tell this to somebody this week, tomorrow, today? Let's ask those three questions. Now, I've broken you up into three groups so that we can practice this. We're, we're not going to do the first three things. and We're not going to confess and repent tonight. 
But I do want us to open the scripture together tonight. And so what I want you to do is I want you to take a well-known chapter. And I'll let your groups decide. But there's 1 John chapter 1 is a great chapter. I think there's a lot of great stuff to discuss there. Um, read that. Underline it. Talk about it. Answer the three questions. Or the 23rd Psalm. Pick one of those two. Okay? Read it. Highlight. And then discuss these questions. And uh, mom, we need some music playing at this time. And uh, we're going to do this together. When it looks like everybody's wrapped up, we're going to come back together. We're going to pray and we're going to be dismissed. Okay? So, I mean, I'm not expecting... I'm not expecting like 30 minutes. If he goes 30 minutes, that's fine. You know, that'd be awesome. But I just want us to see that we can do this. That we can read scripture together. And we can discuss it. And and maybe, you know, your groups need to break away so you can discuss privately. It's whatever you want to do, you know. You can find your own spot in the sanctuary. But, But do what you need to do. You're broken into your groups. Now I want us to apply this during this time. So, um, get with a group, and let's discuss these things, okay? Um, 1 John chapter 1, or Psalm 23, or if maybe you have a chapter on your heart, I mean, these are just ideas. Or you can read another chapter, it, it doesn't matter, but, but those would be two chapters that I think would be really easy for us to get together. The three questions, go through those after you read it together, and then just discuss, alright? Alright?